In an ancient age, before recorded time, men were measured by their courage and women by their beauty. Mighty gods ruled the universe and fear and destruction covered the world. It was a time of darkness when only the force of love could bring back the light. Now, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents Clash of the Titans, a sweeping legend of a golden age, soon the motion picture epic of our time. Enter into the wondrous world of Perseus and Andromeda, a world of passion and power, beauty and bravery, mystery and magic, a world that transcends fantasy and leaps into legend. One courageous man rides between an angry heaven and the fury of hell on earth. He rides a winged stallion across the sky. He rides to save the one who owns his heart. He rides towards wonders no man has ever seen and terrors no man has ever faced. Clash of the Titans, starring Laurence Olivier, Maggie Smith, Ursula Andress, Burgess Meredith, Claire Bloom, and introducing Harry Hamlin as Perseus and Judy Bowker as Andromeda. It will touch you, shock you, dazzle your senses, and sweep you to the limits of your imagination. Clash of the Titans. Welcome to the Aging Hipster Movie Show. I am the Aging Hipster, Bob Serrano. This week, we don our swords and sandals and talk about 1981's iconic Clash of the Titans. Joining us this week are uh, a Titan panel, if I could so say myself, including the first one, the first Titan, fresh from driving across America, is DJ Webmaster Toby Crines. Toby, I told in the last episode, I told him that I sent you on a journey from the drive across America to take the pulse of, of the country because I was so worried. How did it go? Uh, the pulse of the country is not worried about COVID-19. <laughs> uh, all across the South, no masks. Anything South of the, uh, we'll, we'll call it the Minnesota Southern border, no masks. <laughs> and so what other takeaways did you have? Uh, the West is big. So I drove from California to Minneapolis, uh, big, like we get on Google maps, we get on like, uh, you know, a road, they'd be like next exit in 300 miles, you know, um, Sequoia, we visited Sequoia national forest. Those are big. Um, and my, I was so impressed with my daughter. She's nine and, uh, she was amazing and it was just a really unique experience. And what was your favorite road? Uh, so route 70 through white river national forest in Colorado, you hit uh Vail ski resort there, um, which is, it's just beautiful right now. And the 10 mile Creek, uh, it's really a river that flows next to route 70. And, uh, for much of the way, it was just beautiful. Uh, we saw numerous hummingbirds up on Vail mountain, uh, during a walk. So Vail was really the highlight for me. And next up from 10 monsters to tape freaks is Tim Holly. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm back again. <laughs> so, Tim, um, Toby's documented a lot of your bands on his own personal blogs before you knew him. Um, and so you went on a fair amount of tours. What was your favorite drive? Uh, I guess I don't know if specific roads, but I mean, I 
Utah is a beautiful country to drive through. It's just like so pretty, but you just don't want to stop really. <laughs> um, I would say that's, that was definitely always a highlight or so the kind of like Southern California was always like some of like the weird rock structures and stuff was always like really cool. Not like driving through Kansas. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us this week is our special guest, Mark Fitchman. Mark, first off, um, is it me or when you were younger, did you resemble a young Harry Hamlin? No, that's pretty much dead on. Um, I've since morphed into present day Bob Saget, but absolutely when I was young <laughs> and people would stop me on the street and, you know, hey, wow. You know, I mean, they knew I wasn't him exactly, but they would comment and say the resemblance is just is just striking. But uh, did they call you L.A. Law then? They were like, hey, L.A. Law. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was that's exactly it. <laughs> And then second, I guess a little bit more seriously, um, it's really nice for you to be on on here tonight because you actually recovered from being sick. You did have COVID. I did. I did. It was uh, about, geez, from start to finish, about a little over a month of various things to deal with and uh, got back to the office this week. And really, it's the first time I kind of, I feel pretty much a hundred percent like myself again, but, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was crazy. So absolutely. If, uh, if you know anyone that's come down with it or if you yourself go see a doctor, get checked out because there's all kinds of crazy, wacky little, um, things that might show up in your blood work that you are not going to be able to detect on your own if you just try to weather it by yourself. So, yeah, but it's good to be back doing fun stuff again. Absolutely. Um, don't worry, Mark. I heard that it's not a big deal. So um, <laughs> you can rest assured. The, the people yeah, well, in the Lincoln, Nebraska. I still think it's a hoax. <laughs> Lincoln, Nebraska, Walmart would beg to differ that you had it. <laughs> oh. But I'm really glad you're here. You're, you're right about the South and the mass situation, and it's uh, it's just heartbreaking, but... Well, we're seeing the the ramifications right now. I definitely live in um, the epicenter in Texas. Austin, I mean, Austin and Travis County is a little bit better, but, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty tough. I mean, it's not just, um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of cases out there. And I know not only Mark, but other people, you know, like you start hearing more and more people that you know, or, you know, people's coworkers and stuff like that. And it's really, really real, but... Don't worry, like the masks don't don't work. I guess according to the internet, so it's okay. <laughs> um, well, let's get back on the better subjects, um, gentlemen. Before we get into the movie this night, I have some exciting news. Now, as you may or may not know, I publish this podcast and it's available all over the world. We've had people from Singapore listen to it once, and then maybe not listen to it again. And other countries, uh, we're big in Ontario. I mean, big is a relative term. Um, and sometimes people even write reviews. So we got a review this week. It's from Greg Caps. He gave us four stars. Four out of five stars, but that's okay. Because this is a this is an honest review. And uh, he said, a perfect mixture of laughs and facts. Highly enjoyable show to listen to on the Daily Commute. Thank you, Greg Caps. I don't know Greg Caps. Do you guys know him? Uh, no, but I got to ask the question. So, Greg, thank you for leaving us <laughs> wonderful review um so this, this is the perfect mixture of laughs and facts um 
but it's only four out of five. So how do you? How does? How can we get Greg to give us a five? That's that's what I'm going to be left with here. Well, I have an uh, an idea, Greg. Please uh, email me at adrianhipsternetwork at gmail because we we're going to bribe you. We're going to send you something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to put it out there. I was talking to Tim. He has a bunch of extra stuff like uh, screen printing stuff, uh, extra T-shirts, posters, right? Don't you have? Oh, yeah. Um, we'll send you something. Um, we'll have Mark come over there with his Bob Saggity thing and pretend like, you know, it's full house. He'll call you <laughs> DJ. Uh, we'll have all sorts of stuff. Um, but anyways, like it just it was funny because I totally forgot about it. It just like popped up out of nowhere. I was like, oh, I should really try to talk about this kind of stuff people should leave us reviews and and email us because we we are so desperate we will not we will read this and we will keep paying you we'll suck so, up large yeah. portions of this podcast yeah <laughs> yeah all the people that do listen to it like uh i know you're out there katie and chris our two <laughs> listeners email us we want to send you stuff and anybody wants to re- write a review on a podcast rate us sign your name and then email it. Uh, we'll read you on the next show. And we want to give you something. It might be a shirt. Uh, old poster. My old uh, ratty version of Lonesome Dove. So <laughs> rate us. Great email fun. us. Listen to us. And we will bribe you. Um, with just stuff that's all around the house. So um, <laughs> Old kindergarten cop VHS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. VHS. We're just going to send everything. I, I dare was, you. I, was also I dare say, you. Uh, we were going to s- potentially send Bob to your house. And here's a sampling of what you might hear if Bob shows up. That was Bob Serrano, circa <laughs> 1996. <laughs> you might have seen me if you made the rounds around uh, northern McHenry County in Illinois. And that was uh, the song The Astronaut, which I don't even think I wrote a second verse. I think it just devolved de- into swears or something <laughs> like that. Did you say something about dehydrated beef or something? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm an astronaut in both time and space. Yep. Uh, dehydrated steak or something (laughs) (laughs) hello there in tv land there was a second verse because that hello there in tv land or something yeah but there was like second sentences but then verses kind of trailed off (laughs) right that's but yeah i will play music for you toby (laughs) will play go and play music for you toby has a lot more uh music and he can play like i don't know like the guitar or something like that (laughs) so anyways Please email, rate, review, share, all that kind of stuff. Thank you so much. What's the email? Oh, aginghipsternetwork at gmail.com. Aginghipsternetwork at gmail.com. Got a Facebook group, um, the Aging Hipster Network. There's the aginghipsternetwork.com. Um, yeah, all sorts of stuff. We're all over the place. So, Toby, did you did you have a segue? Um, yeah, go? we're going to segue now into the movie. Tim, what did we watch this week? We watched the 1981 classic Clash of the Titans. Uh, The IMDb description says it's Perseus must battle Medusa and the Kraken to save Princess Andromeda. That is a pretty pretty trimmed down version of what the plot is. (laughs) 
missing a few things, but you know, I guess it gets there. Uh, directed by Desmond Davis, written by Beverly Cross, uh, and it stars Sir Lawrence Olivier, uh, Harry Hamlin, Claire Bloom, uh, Burgess Meredith, a whole other cast of characters. Uh, and it was released June 12th, 1981, with a budget of $15 million, which is actually the largest budget um, that Ray Harryhausen ever had. And it's actually, the, this budget is uh, more than all of his previous budgets combined, which is complete insanity. Uh, but anyway, I'll get into that. Uh, so the, it grossed $41 million, And then it says cumulative worldwide gross is also $41 million, but that is definitely wrong. Because uh, it did a w- really well in Europe, I know. Uh, then the other movies from 1981 are Raiders of the Lost Ark, On Golden Pond, Superman 2, Arthur Stripes, Cannonball Run, Chariots of Fire, For Your Eyes Only, Time Bandits, uh, a whole bunch of others. Uh, but yeah, in in the in Europe, it definitely w- did uh, so well in the box office that it actually beat Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was the number one movie of 1981 worldwide. Uh, but it, it the only I think one of the only movies that did beat it was For Your Eyes Only because James Bond in the UK, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it was a huge smash hit in Europe, I know. Uh, then in this says the critics consensus consensus is that it's a a goofy old school sword and sandal epic, Clash of the Titans mines Greek mythology for its story and fleshes it out with Ray Harryhausen's charmingly archaic stop motion animation techniques. It says that there's a sixty eight percent rotten tomato with forty one critics weighing in and then the audience score is 70 percent um that's got to be a little bit skewed because i think the critics were a little bit more harsh on it back in the day i don't i think the audiences loved it and the critics were a panda i think sometimes uh, rotten tomatoes takes like a an aggregate you know people rate stuff again and and so um it's not all stuff back then so um before we get into the rankings did you have any production tidbits well, yeah, I guess I want just covering Ray Harryhausen a little bit. Um, and people will probably know that name, I would assume, or would definitely know his work if they, if they saw it. He's uh, a special effects master of stop motion. Uh, previous to this, he did uh, Jason versus the Argonauts and, you know, Beast of 20,000 Fathoms and just, I mean, tons of great kind of 50s, 60s uh, sci fi B movies stuff, but just like really set the bar for what effects could be and influenced like you know, multiple generations of people with his effects work. But previous to this movie, this is actually his final movie he did before he retired. Uh, but previous to this, he would do every single bit of it. So he would storyboard it and draw out the scenes, sculpt, pull the molds and do all the animation entirely himself with no help, which is, that's crazy to me. Like the, if anybody knows anything about stop motion, that's, that's, it's a, such a long like process uh, but in Clash of the Titans, because there were so many effects sequences, he actually had a cot next to his workstation and would just sleep there and get up and then just keep working. He like just didn't leave for days, and then he ended up having to bring in help. And so he did actually have assistance on this this film because there was so much to do. Uh, but he definitely like I mean he was an innovator and it like changed how this stuff was done definitely like was pushing the kind of technology and so much so that he worked with like Kodak and different, different film stocks were developed specifically for him. So he could do certain types of rear projection and so that he could do his own perforations on the film itself and the film stocks. Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, to me, it, it stands up so well. I mean, it's definitely has a look to it, 
but it's such a unique and such an amazing work. Uh, so that, I mean, so yeah, Ray Harryhausen, complete legend. Uh, and then on top of that, there, we were talking a little bit before we jumped on, but there was a toy line, which is pretty amazing, uh, that came out back in the day. Uh, there was a handful of characters, but B- Bubo never got a, a, a figure made because uh, the toy line did not sell very well. But that was because at that time period, 1981, Star Wars dominated the toy shelves in so much so that they had these toy shops sign contracts that they would give them X amount of space. And so it basically made it so that Clash of the Titans like figures and stuff couldn't be sold in certain toy shops because they just didn't have the space for it anymore because Star Wars was filling up the shelves so much. And so it was considered a failure, even though there's a, I mean, it did, it did sell well where people could find it. Uh, and hilariously enough, the Pegasus horse was actually just pulled from a Barbie horse mold. Oh, they, just, really? they just slapped some wings onto the Barbie horse, awesome. <laughs> which is pretty amazing. And then the last thing I found was, I mean, I have a whole bunch more stuff I'll sprinkle in, but the last thing I found that was really interesting was the, the score. Originally they were trying to, they had a temp score that they were working to. That was a, a, a piece of music uh, done by Richard Strauss. Um, and so they were, they were, they had been working and animating to that so much that they got like what is considered like temp love. Like it happens a lot in productions where the temp music is, they, they, they get so tied to it that, that nothing that any composer can bring uh, will ever get to where they want it to. Uh, one of the most famous cases of that is the, from 2001, a space odyssey, Alex North did a whole, like compose music for that entire film to only have it just thrown out completely to just them using the temp music, um, which was probably the right move, honestly. But, uh, and in this case, it might've been the right move too, because John Barry actually did some music for this, this film. Uh, John Barry, most famous from doing all the James Bond scores. Uh, and he, this around the same time period, he did like the black hole music and stuff like that. Uh, but he did a bunch of music for it and then they threw it out and uh, actually went with Lawrence Rosenthal who did an amazing job, but really just aped what the the temp music that they were they were doing or using. So I was found that really fascinating. But if uh, people want to hear the John Barry music that has actually been un- unarchived by the Ray Harryhausen Institute in the UK, and they play some of it on one of their podcasts, they have actually a podcast uh, all about just Ray Harryhausen and all of his legacy. So I thought that was really fascinating. That is definitely. Thanks a lot, Tim. Anything else before we get uh, into that, what that, we thought? That Go Barbie, ahead. the Barbie mold story, um, reminds me of Stinkor on He Man. They used a mold from a different character and they just made it stink. Merman, yeah. <laughs> Merman and painted it. I remember that because I remember yeah. seeing figured stories. And I'm like, this seems a little like, oh yeah, they just, uh, yeah, they just. I think they I have this one. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Sorry, that cat was uh, trying to open the door. Um, <laughs> and let's get to our own cat, Mark Fitchman. What did you think? Well, this this one kind of has like a real special place in 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 my heart because this is like one of probably maybe the first movie that I can remember my mom taking me to see, and I was I would have been about six years old and really for like a six-year-old boy, like what more could you ask for in a movie than everything that was going on in this movie and between all of the, you know, the the creatures and everything, like it just really, really uh, hit the mark for me. And I was, I was big into it. I had the action figures. I still have some of the action figures. 
And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it's, it's, I enjoyed it a lot and continued to enjoy it. You know, you're watching it again. Um, yeah. Well, for, for our listeners who did not see that, Mark uh, showed us a Perseus figure, right? That's Perseus. Yeah, that was Perseus. The actual figure. And if you uh, email us at aginghipsternetwork at gmail.com, he will, he will mail that to you. I will tell him <laughs> to email it, to mail that, and anything else that really means a lot to well, us. Well, you know, young Mark... With the long hair, looked like Perseus. Yeah, he was so. like basically that. That's probably why your mom let your hair just kind of flow out. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, you, yeah. You know, it was also interesting because I this is another movie for me that um, I never saw the actual theatrical release. I only saw it on cable and stuff like that because I was I'm a little bit younger, so I was like two when it came out. Um, and I didn't realize that there's nudity in here either that I totally missed. Yeah, it was like in the beginning with Danae and, you know, like where her and Perseus were in a, in a nudist colony, like walk, <laughs> walk around, like show the little boy butts and like all that kind of stuff, which is uh, very Don't interesting. Don't forget there were two bath scenes later where you see naked uh, girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,. Yeah. That yeah. was probably my first uh, exposure to theatrical nudity as well, in addition to the stop motion animation. So we just kind of killed the two birds there in one film. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it, it, was, it was actually controversy in the U.S. because it was being marketed as a family film that there was nudity in it. But it wasn't that there was human nudity. It was the fact that Medusa's breasts were being shown. Oh. Uh, and that was a big, huge thing where they were like having a, a fight with the censors. And they would have they were asking them to crop the scene so you couldn't see her upper torso, which would be like you completely missed the point. <laughs> um, and then in the in the UK, that same scene was controversial, but for a completely different reason. It was because of the decapitation. Can't make anybody happy these days. <laughs> Toby, what'd you think? Uh, I I went in, so I saw maybe thirty five years ago, <laughs> and uh, but like you, I saw it all on cable, so the nudity was a surprise, a delightful surprise at that. <laughs> Great casting, and uh, did you like look back like over your shoulder? Like no one here. <laughs> it was wonderful. Um, uh, I was expecting it to be just a mess, like a movie I can make fun of with all my friends, and uh, you four being you three being my friends. But um, I loved it. Like I was so impressed with the movie making, like the stop motion, the battle scenes, the the Medusa's hair, and like. I was just, I came away just thinking like, like in awe of this, this, uh, the people who did the effects and, and the movie, I put it, you know, there's this category genre of movie. I put it with like, um, dude, where's my car where it's like this endless adventure of, of like fight scenes that like, and culminates into a a nice ending. Um, and you know, so, you know, if you like those movies, it's a great plot. And, uh, uh, but I, I came away really uh, impressed and loving it. And Tim, uh, I, I agreed with what, you're, what he was just saying is that, like, yeah, I haven't seen it in years, and I have weird memory burns up from certain scenes from it, specifically the Medusa scene. Uh, but yeah, rewatching it, it was weird because it's like it's sort of this weird, like the story is a little convoluted like where it's like he's just going from one place to another place to another place and it's like you got to get this thing to get to this thing to get to this thing but then it's just like it never lets up it's just like there's a monster every couple minutes you know it's like a new creature and it's like it's so awesome like for like with that just like amazing just like just like it's 
it's never boring by any means you know like there's like weird awkward sort of dialogue between those scenes but then i was like oh yeah now he's fighting a two-headed dog and now he's fighting a you know it's like this creature thing or whatever it's it's so so great in that and that actually looking into it a little bit more i found out that the, the reason like the the story flows the way it does is because harryhausen and the writer picked out the different monsters that they wanted to involve. And then Harryhausen scripted out the scenes with the monsters. And then this, the writer was, had to take those scenes and then try to make a story that made sense to connect all those scenes together, which actually makes a lot of sense now thinking about it that way. No, it's uh, it's very interesting because uh, some of the stuff with Perseus, it's, I don't even know what is like real. He's just like, I don't know. He's just like a guy kind of trying to find himself. You know, they're like, oh, he's the heir to Argos. But then he's just like, ah, I'll just stay here in, jo- uh, in Joppa. That's okay. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. You know, like, and actually, uh, Joppa is an actual, oh, I read it's uh, originally the city itself is in, is in the Holy Land. It's more of in kind of like uh, on, the, on the coast there in Israel. So I'm not sure where they got the 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 title but maybe i mean there's plenty of greek cities around there and stuff like that but yeah i mean i thought the you know it's like one of those movies that i definitely remembered well as a kid for like a lot of that stuff not only just you know i just remember you know obviously going into medusa's lair um all the pegasus stuff um you know you know harry hamlin just sort of harry hamlin around i read some uh, uh something where they described his uh uh lips as pillowy <laughs> which was <laughs> you know yeah. he was definitely walk around and i guess um i'm and i i don't have a, like written um down there but there is a bunch of almost uh cast they, they were actually considering arnold schwarzenegger for a little bit yeah it was orion pictures was gonna was gonna fund it and they were they had a contract with with schwarzenegger so they were pushing for schwarzenegger to be in the role but harryhausen didn't was really wanted to distance themselves from the old Italian sword and sandal films. And so he was really against it. So they ended up going with MGM because they didn't weren't pushing them to use a specific actor like, like Schwarzenegger, but then they pushed him to, to switch out Burgess Meredith in that role because they felt it was getting to be too British and they wanted to have a little bit of American flavor in there, which was like a a corner man, like a, (laughs) He's just another fighter. No, he ain't just another <laughs> fighter. This guy is a wrecking machine, and he's hungry. Hell, you ain't been hungry since you won that belt. Oh, what are you talking about? I've had ten title defenses. That was easy. What do you mean easy? They was handpicked. Setups? Nah, they were setups. They was good fighters, but they wasn't killers like this guy. He'll knock you into tomorrow, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh... I, I really like the Burgess uh, Meredith during that time. As, He's uh, so during good. that, yeah, he was really good during. This guy is a wrecking machine, and he's yeah. hungry. <laughs> oh. Each episode, we try to dive in a little bit deeper into a scene or into a concept of the movie. And in this one, um, I wanted to take a little t- a bit of time to examine something. Um, this one. There's another segue. And with this episode, I wanted to get into the gods themselves and uh, where they live on top of Mount Olympus. I think it was, they call it the Pantheon, right? Is that what they still call it? I can't remember it. Yeah, something Sounds like that. Um, first off, um, I just wanted to put it out there that didn't it seem like it was like the most un- 
unfun place in the world. There's like there's no like no chairs. There's nowhere to sit, and just everyone just like standing around, like waiting for Zeus to turn around and they'll all start shit talking. Yeah, you know, it was very <laughs> petty. Like they're all just like like just trying to like undermine each other in just really petty ways. It's like. Like you're the gods. Like you think you're a little more organized than this. (laughs) Which I think actually is probably as close to Greek mythology, right? Because it's like it's a whole bunch of them just like (laughs) cheating on each other and like betraying each other. Um, One thing that I was thought was interesting was uh, Lawrence Olivier um, hated this movie. He thought it was just (laughs) beneath him, but they paid them a lot of money (laughs) to come there, which I think was like three hundred thousand dollars for a week. So he's there for only a week. And they got, got all this kind of stuff. Very similar to another uh, famous uh, British actor uh, in the original Star Wars. <laughs> Alec Guinness. Yeah, another person that cleaned yeah. up and while well, he was talking shit about like an American movie or something like that. So what did you guys think about the, the gods? Did you like which guys did you think were like really sucked? Like if you're there, who would you really try to bring down? You know? <laughs> Mark, I, I thought Zeus kind of sucked a bit, you know, for being mostly the guy that's that that's that's running the show up there, and just you know all his little weird extracurricular activities, he's changing into animals, you know, to go down to Earth to to, to bang Earth chicks, and like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a guy you want to really look up to. Um, and of course, a lot of that stuff was sort of lost on me when my six year old self saw this movie. I I got the part that. Uh, Zeus was Perseus's father, but the whole of how that came to be didn't really cement until later. And you know, did a little reading in uh, in high school on Greek mythology. It's like, oh, he transformed into a golden a golden shower, I think it was. Which now that I say it out loud, that's a whole other layer of stuff going on. But <laughs> it's golden shower is different from it was a literally a, a shower of literally gold. In the where he, what he what he did um so yeah not a zeus fan yeah there's there are there are a multitude of different things that zeus turned into to seduce women um bull. yep there's a bull that was europa can anybody just name a random animal because it's probably he probably turned into it (laughs) aardvark uh probably but this isn't on here um other other things that are interesting um is uh, there was the bull there was a flame of fire which is interesting um a goose a vulture which uh, i mean this sounds like a goth girl he like found like a <laughs> like a, <laughs> a swan in a star a lapwing and and just a shower he's just like i'm just going to turn into rain So I heard this theory, um, this was um, from somebody who's very religious, who, this is what they believed. Like, I was like, how come uh, uh, Moses lived to be 800 years old? That doesn't make sense. And she's like, well, you got to understand, back then there were way fewer people on earth and less germs. And, uh, you know, so it could be in this this uh, room up on Mount Olympus, they, uh, they have everybody on earth and clay figure. And maybe it only took up one room. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. It could be also like uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um, what's what's the window he looks in where all the toys are at the toy yeah. room or whatever, and the yeah. the wall moves. Uh, I mean, uh, we we saw cities with 
more people than were than were on that wall, though. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, there's some pretty large crowd scenes, especially like when the Krakens are. <laughs> yeah. There could, yeah, it's possible there yeah. are other rooms. Those are just the important figurines, you know, the real collectible <laughs> right. ones, and then the, other, the rest of them kind of off in a box somewhere. <laughs> well, and as long as we're on the topic, like he had that one arena, maybe there's other arenas in other right. rooms. He's got too. other playsets. <laughs> they would have like some better like dioramas and, and things to play with the figures, and it's just like everything that happens in this one, you know. That's just his favorite playset, his favorite figures. <laughs> <laughs> right. And all the other gods have to follow him around as he plays <laughs> yeah. with his dolls. And like, keep them locked up. Like anyone can just grab them and like do their thing. Yeah. Like when right. she leaves, she takes Perseus, <laughs> like, oh, we're going to put him on the beach somewhere. Yeah. And right. It, it's all. Very, very vague as to how, you know, you'd think there at least there would be like a sign out sheet, you know, like yeah. if you want to make it bigger, you have to go right. put your name and the date. So if they want to go back and look who well, signed like, out, you know, he's clearly going to notice like it's like he's going to come back and be like, oh, there's a space where there's a figure missing. Right. Like, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, hey, where'd you, where'd you put my figure? Come on. Come on, guys. Where'd you, you've been somebody's been playing with them again. So, if you guys had to choose one of the guys to be your deadbeat parent, who would it be, <laughs> Toby? Um, <laughs> I, w- I would, I would take the uh, uh, Poseidon. I think um, a because he controls the Kraken cage, um, uh, also the water. You know, like like that. That's the most important thing about if you're going to start a city, you need water. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say Poseidon too, guys, just because I love the Kraken so much. <laughs> Which uh, the Kraken um, is not actually a Greek Titan at all. It's actually yeah. Scandinavian. As I say, I didn't think it was, but I, I was like, oh, maybe I, I just I don't know enough about mythology. So, well, the Titans it. are people like Atlas and um, other, and Medusa wasn't a Titan either. She was Greek, but she was a Titan. But they just really liked the title. Maybe I don't know. They just got to stuff it in there. Well, like I was saying, like the yeah, the writer was he was a historian, but Harryhausen was like really like, oh, I want to use this character. I want to use this character. So they wrote a bunch of scenes. They're like, okay, let's just mash them all together and make it make it fun. They can't not put the Kraken in there. I mean, <laughs> how about you, Mark? Who's your deadbeat godparent? Uh, Hephaestus, the guy that built the uh, Bobo, the mechanical owl. Oh, yeah. yeah, the maker parent. Like, I. I absolutely wanted my own robot because you know it was the early 80s and that's what all kids wanted and of course now as we head closer to that being like a reality it's all completely horrifying and i'm just like no get this away from me but yeah back then i would have picked a i would have picked a the mechanical owl guy <laughs> and how about that that was uh what's her name like one of the greek goddesses just sticking it to zeus because he's like yeah, send your right. owl <laughs> and she's like i couldn't like, possibly yeah. Make a mechanical owl. Is, that, is he just not going to notice that it's not a real owl? Like, <laughs> yeah, Zeus is like, eh, okay. Yeah, maybe the problem is that Zeus just doesn't really follow through at all. Like, he's just like, <laughs> <doesn't> care. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said send a <laughs> owl. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. It's like it's 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 sort of like with Zeus. Like when Perseus gets sent and he's all upset, it's like, why don't you just move him back? He's like, oh no, there's nothing I can do now. Like, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I'm guessing there was like some sort of like 
inter like like god etiquette that they needed to follow where they could do certain and it was a lot of it was just sort of unexplained and you just kind of had to take it for what it was like i that's the only thing i the only sense i could make as to you know why certain gods were able to do certain things and just the others just had to sort of stand back and like eh. it's not my turn yet i'll wait for my turn to play it's like Zeus <laughs> is an alcoholic they're just like you just gotta wait for him just to forget like and it'll be all fine you know <laughs> well let's get into some more questions on in the movie what is your guys's favorite movie moment let's start off with you tim uh, like I said, the one that I remembered from being as a kid was the Medusa scene. That scene is like, it's so cool. And it's just like the way it's shot and the way like the action plays out. Um, like, another fun tidbit was that he, when she crawls out originally, when you see her, he would, he actually like, that was uh, him recreating a scene that he, re- that Harryhausen was affected by in the movie, Todd Browning movie, Freaks. Um, it was like, like one of the, the legless characters and freaks crawling through the mud that was like what he was like envisioning when he was like creating that sequence when she we first see her uh and then uh the lighting effect in how that was done was that every single shot of the stop motion sequence he had a like a light next to the set with a cellophane with different colored lights on it and he would just slowly shift it each time he like click the camera just to give that flickering kind of fire effect which is like is so effective oh wow yeah how about you, Toby? I was thinking the the, the vulture with oh, the cage. Like, how scary is that? Like, a vulture can come with a cage and take you away in your dreams. <laughs> yeah, and I forget. So he took her to this place, just the the soul of her, right? Yeah. So right. Calabas could just like give her like a neck necklace, yeah. right? It would be like the each each riddle. riddle for each day. Right? Oh, that's right, the riddle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to get married that bad to <laughs> answer any riddle. Like, <laughs> as easily dissuaded. How about you, Mark? What was your favorite part? Um, yeah, I'm gonna agree with Tim. The the Medusa sequence when they visit her lair. Uh, to see that on a big screen as a six year old kid at the time, it was actually kind of scary, you know. And just the the way they did it with again now the lighting. Um, and just the way that the uh, the stop motion characters tend to move, you know, they have this really sort of kind of little herky jerkiness about them, and it just worked so well for that character. It was it was like really haunting, and and just uh, it made it it made a big impact. So that when I think of that movie, I think about that scene uh, specifically a lot. So it's the Medusa scene. So, Tim, do you think like a lot of these Ray Harryhausen effects do they just still hold up in your point of view? Uh, I I think so. I think that they're they're still super effective. Um, that you I mean you because you're seeing like humans interacting with these like real 3D objects and stuff, and it totally plays well. And there is some sequences in this movie where like the film stock and the grain shifts drastically, where like some of the lighting doesn't quite match and stuff like that. And I guess that was just because they were running out of time. Uh, and they just had to get it done. Um, so, so there's certain sequences in this that I feel like are like there's a you know they had to cut a few corners because they were just they raised the bar with what they were trying to accomplish in one film. And I feel like they really did accomplish it. But there's definitely some things that I know that even Ray Harryhausen was spoken outspoken about that he was unhappy with how it turned out. Uh, but most of it, he was very proud of. Now, how about you, Mark? What do you think? Um, what, I'm sorry. What was the question again? Uh, 
the, do you think the stop motion is still um, held up? And then what is your favorite stop motion character that's not Medusa? That's not Medusa. Everyone um, loves Medusa. I, I don't know how well it holds. I, I think it would it would hold up well for um, a young person seeing the movie. Like if you show the movie to another young kid, they'd probably enjoy it very much because maybe they haven't you know, been exposed to as many of the, C- the new CGI things. So they're not going to make that distinction. Um, favorite stop motion characters. You know, I really like the Calabos thing was interesting because they had to cut between a real actor and, um, and the stop motion version and making that all jive um, must not have been easy. Um, so I'd probably go with him. But I mean, and then the Kraken is just, you know, just a hugely impressive thing. But the Calabos thing for that reason, I, I really, uh, I like that character a lot. Uh, and the actor that played it did a fantastic job. Yeah, definitely. I think in, in the beginning that they weren't even going to have the actor do no. that. They're just going to do the stop motion. Yeah, but they, yeah, they weren't going to give him any dialogue. And then they uh, they found, they had this British actor, you know. The the fun uh, do the, the fun thing about the Calabos design is that it was actually like a, a hybrid of a bunch of repurposed parts from other things that Harry Hazen had done. So like the leg, one of the legs is from like a, the Cyclops from the seventh voyage of Sinbad. And the torso is the Trog character from Sinbad and the, the eye of the tiger. And he had just repurposed a bunch of stuff. Cause they were kind of, again, they were running out of time and he, need, he didn't have time to sculpt like a completely new thing. So he would just like try to like mash these pieces together and with like the armatures to, to get the effect that they needed to, to accomplish. I think it worked super well. Like I had no idea until I read that. That is interesting. Do you think like um so Calabas is actually a really bad dude? Do you think Zeus was kind of within his rights to like turn him, you know, like penalize him for all the shitty stuff that he did? Like was like I guess what I'm yeah. trying to say is like his his mom kind of went overboard to kind of got mad. Should she have been like I kind of see it? He kind of killed all those Pegasus. Yeah, I mean. She was a shitty parent. Like, let him do a bunch of horrible yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was kind of the, the Greek equivalent of like you know when the, the, these uh well-to-do young gentlemen that go out uh, hunting rare game and stuff and take photos. <laughs> he was basically that guy for then. You know, yeah. look, I killed a rhino. You know, and then he's like, "Why am I? Why am I being penalized and shamed on Instagram, Mom? Can't you do something about this?" And, but what's great, like the part where they transform him in the movie and it just cuts to that shot yeah, of that the shadow really and him like saying yeah. you know, he'll become a disgusting freak and he'll have to live in the swamp. And like again for like a six-year-old scene, I was like, oh my god, like that was that was really scary for me to watch, you know. Um yeah. great scene. Toby, um I have a I, I'm sure the Kraken's your favorite stop motion character, right? Or, or uh Sure. I mean, they're, uh, they're all great. Um, I'm just saying because we we talked about the Kraken as kids for so long, it was like oh, yeah, basically I mean, our other. Um, we had a couple go to jokes. One we can't say anymore because <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. I don't know what that one is. Well, we did. You know, we used to uh, obviously you heard one of my songs from before, and but we used to uh, consider ourselves quite comedic geniuses and would uh, shoot films and uh, the Kraken was always a prominent feature in all of our films as well. Oh yeah. Um, uh-huh. Did you have any? Well, and, and 
my uh, my current band is called Crackhorn, which is inspired by the Kraken. <laughs> so, so, so you're a little bit of a fan. Uh, and so can you tell me about the uh, time that you have demanded the release of the Kraken? Sure. Let loose the Kraken! Release the Kraken. Release the Kraken! Was that last one Liam Neeson? It was Liam. Oh. It was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Um, and then, yeah. Toby, what? Which one of the God's gifts that Perseus got would you keep for yourself? So this is the question. Like I've thought about this over and over. Like you know, the question. Like if you could have any superhero power, and the one that for some reason I always am partial to, and I don't know why, it's uh, invisibility. So I would take the helmet. <laughs> How about you, Tim? Which one of the things? Yeah, I always yeah, love the... Bubo. <laughs> the owl. Yeah. How about you, Mark? Yeah, I'm going with the owl as well. Um, kind of probably just speaks more to my my wanting to have a friend, but <laughs> especially. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. That's not going to be. It can't be your friend, the shield. But the, the owl, you know, you can hang out, right? Watch a movie. You know that there's actual apps out there um, developed <laughs> by the Japanese that pretend to be your friend and or significant other, right? Yeah, I, I, I've I've seen the things the Japanese like to develop. I'm where, well aware of that. You know, <laughs> basically everything they make is like you know, it's like a toaster that you can have relations with. That's that's pretty much all the technology is just leading towards that. So, your <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> best friend's going to be the bidet. You're just like, hey, what's going yeah. on? Like, doing a great job there, buddy. <laughs> like, oh. And then I guess one of the things I wanted to talk about, which I, uh, upon rewatch, I think Percy has had one of the all-time worst lines. Toby. Perhaps because I too felt pity. I still don't understand. We met today, and yet you say you've loved me for much longer. I did see you once. I saw you asleep. From that moment, I was hopelessly lost. Asleep? Just believe me when I say that I did see you, and the sight of you passed straight through me like an arrow. It astonished me. From that moment, I knew that I would do anything for you. From that moment, I knew that I loved you. <laughs> I gotta say, like um the, the it's creepy the sleeping part but um even that when it was happening i'm like this is kind of creepy but um you know the the actual line is pretty damn good i think like uh, no you're right uh, it's a good line you know, but he's still like i you, saw you sleeping I, I was creeping around your bedroom <laughs> while you were asleeping and watched your soul get out of your body <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't he just come clean? Yeah. I don't know. She'll never know. Like, you can just say, like, I saw you at the market or something, you know. That <laughs> would have been fine. Like, yeah, I saw you. You're buying some melons, and, you know, I noticed you. Yeah. yeah. But like, I, I, I actually didn't even. Go ahead, Mark. I didn't remember that line at all until I, when I rewatched it. And then, uh, you know, I was I was listening. I was like, oh, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a little questionable. That's a little questionable. <laughs> Yeah, if he's just like, yeah, I like I snuck in with my uh like it was if it was Toby, like with his uh helmet of invisibility <laughs> and snuck into the bedroom and just watch you sleep. Um I don't know. Yeah, I I think I've I haven't like snuck into people's like places, I guess is really going someplace bad. Like I <laughs> misconstrue some stuff. 
But like, I don't think any time there's like, if you're ever very watchful of people, it's this doesn't really go this way. It's not, not all of a sudden become king of Joppa. No, they end up thinking you're a creep. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it just seems like but Perseus he is really trying, man. He's just really trying to seal the deal, and he will do anything to get to that point. Kill Medusa, kill the Kraken, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't you? <laughs> Andromeda. Uh, but um, any other things that we want to talk about the movie before we get into some trivia? And uh, I wanted to ask a question because you guys know a little bit more about uh, the mythology thing, but the the team that he goes into Medusa's lair with, they all have shields, and each of the shields have a different symbol on it. You know, did you know, guys notice that? Like one of them's like a griffin, one of them's like a pegasus, and one of them's like a flying like boar pig. or pig. Yeah. Like, do you know what those what what that represents, or is that like just like cool art design? I think it's just art design. I don't okay. know if there's like yeah. a flying pig. Yeah, I, it's, it's pretty Hogwarts, so you know. The, the pig <laughs> threw me. I was like, "What? There's a flying pig on that guy's shield. Like, what is happening?" I guess in the novel, because they, they had the novel Clash of the Titans, mm-hmm. like all those guys had names and stuff. They only had the uh, I don't know the big the ginger uh, captain have a name on this one, but yeah, the, in, in in the book they all had names and they all okay. talked and stuff. Okay. Yeah, the, the, I was going to say the novelization. Actually, I did find out it was uh, Alan Dean Foster wrote it. Oh he, wow, he's the guy who did all like the Star Wars extended universe stuff. Like he the, he did, he wrote uh, Splinter in the Mind's Eye and a bunch of like like fan favorite novels and stuff. So that's pretty pretty awesome that he was the one who did the novelization for Clash of the Titans. <laughs> all right, let's get into some nineteen eighty one trivia and Creek. Well, no, actually, I didn't put in Greek trivia. 1981. <laughs> I was done with the Greeks. I was like, I'm done with you, Clash of the Titans. Actually, I love the movie, um, but there's a lot of good things that happened around 1981, including uh, Harry Hamlin dated someone from the movie. Who was it? I think I know, but I just want to... Okay. Um, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> Mark, did you put down... Did you want to make your guess? Um, it, it was in fact Maggie Smith. It wasn't. No, it would. No, it was not. It no. was not. But that was. I, I think I know. It, it was probably the the actress who played Andromeda. I would guess. Nope, you're wrong. No, I, I'm guessing it was his mom. The, his mom. His mom. Oh, be like the Danae, nope. played his mom. No, it was Ursula Andrews. Yep. Yeah, they had an affair and they had a kid together. Uh, Name it was Dimitri. Very controversial. <laughs> So Tim gets one point. Good job, Tim. Yeah, one point for that. Yeah, and they actually, I think, uh, they were together for many years. He was, she was at least ten years older than Harry Hamlin. Harry just turned thirty. Yeah, um, she was a Bond girl, right? Yeah, she was a Bond girl. Um, she was also a, like a top billed star on the movie, but they she only said one line. <laughs> yeah. <And> so <laughs> it was Ursula Andress, and then uh, was she pussy galore. <sighs> In the Bond movies? Hold on. Let's look at that up really quick. Camera, which she was in Dr. No uh, as Honey Rider. Oh, okay. Okay. And finally enough, Dimitri was born in 1980. We're so close. It could have been me. I could have been Dimitri Hamlin. The same (laughs) smoldering good looks. But but it did not happen. All right. We're going to do a kind of a round robin type of thing. 1981 saw a formation of a bunch of all-time great metal bands. One point for each correct answer. We're going to start with Toby. Um, 
Well, Metallica is one that immediately comes to mind. Okay. Um, um, can you name one? Megadeth? Oh, that's 1984, I believe. Oh. Mark. Uh, Merciful Fate, uh, Slayer, oh, and then of course Metallica. Those are the three I could I could guess without. And there, there's a there's like a wiki on this. You can actually go look. There's a bunch of bands from know. that year. What about like Guar? Uh, Hold on, Guar. No, Tim. 1981. Yep. Now this is when they formed. Doesn't mean that they're necessarily popular. Was Judas yeah. Priest around in eighty one? Yeah, they were before that. Yep. What about Anthrax? That is that uh, true? Anthrax, yes. Anthrax. Yes. Toby has two points. And give it another round. Any? Any? I line? can think of one other, but I only know it from looking at the wiki page. Oh, that, so you're you're out of here. You're out. You're you're disqualified. <laughs> King Diamond. What's that? King no. Diamond. All right. Some other ones that were uh, during that time. Um, let's see. Uh, King's X, Man of War, uh, Motley Crue, Napalm Death, Pantera, oh Queensryche, Rat, Rat, Slayer, we also said, Suicidal Tendencies, which, interesting enough, I just found out that, you know, Bill Paxson, the late great actor, delivered uh papers newspapers with Mike Muir from Suicidal Tendencies when they were kids <laughs> in Texas. So wow. there you go. Tesla, uh Twisted Sister. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh yeah, there's all that was it. Okay, so we got a bunch of those. So Toby and Mark have two points. Tim has a has a point now. We have uh I gave a list of five shows from nineteen eighty one. Uh, Dallas, Alice, Jefferson's 60 Minutes and Three's Company. Uh, which one of these are, which one of these was the f- top ranked show in 1981? Toby, did you want to give it? Oh, how should we do this? Type it in chat all at once. <laughs> <It's> all- <clears throat> I'll say 60 Minutes. Tim? I would say Dallas. I have no idea though. Okay, and then and Mark? Yeah, I, I would say Dallas. All right. And the answer is Dallas, followed by 60 minutes. Yep, good job. Followed by the Jeffersons and th- then Three's Company. So that means we got Toby in the lead with three points. I mean, I'm sorry, Mark with three, Toby with two, Tim with two. Neck and neck. Neck and neck. Okay. So as you know, one of my favorite things to talk about are 1981 toys. Uh, so we're gonna, I'm going to read the description. And you guys are going to make a guess of the price. The closest price wins the point. <laughs> All right. First one is Baby Precious. Uh, she drinks from her own bottle, wets and cries like a real baby, coos happily when her legs are squeezed. The 16-inch doll has a polyurethane uh, body with jointed arms and legs, open and closed eyes. Uh, and hand-styled rooted hair. Uh, she wears pink and white uh, knit dress, matching cap and booties, and panties for ages three and up. Three and up. Toby, what's your guess for the price? Uh, <clears throat> Fifty-nine ninety-nine. It's a pretty nice hat. 
Got it. And that's I, I get yep. it. I get it. Ten. Uh, what do you think? Baby Precious. Twenty five dollars. Twenty five dollars. Okay. And then Mark, our resident toy expert. Oh, geez. What do you think? Can't see how big the doll is, like in perspective. Sixteen to inches. Else. Oh, six. Does it say? Oh, six. Nine ninety nine. Oh, and the answer is thirteen ninety nine. So Mark is the winner of that point. Mark takes a pretty formidable lead. With that, he has two, three, four points. The next one up is Crib Soft Gym. So if you're if you are uh, worried about the kind of muscle mass that your baby has or does not have, get the Crib Soft Gym. It is a sturdy air-filled exerciser containing four activities, soft grip squeaks when squeezed, handles that can be grasped, playful poo jumps with every tug, and jingling balls roll and bounce. Mark. Things and things and things. Fourteen ninety nine. All right, Tim. Twelve ninety nine. <laughs> 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 I was gonna say fifteen, so I was like, "Well, I gotta go a little lower." lower then, <laughs> yeah. And we'll wait for Toby. How awesome! We didn't, you didn't skip any of these on my account. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is my favorite time of the show. Did we read the description yet? Yes. Okay. Um, baby workout. Uh, this is a fourteen ninety nine product. Oh wait, wait, I forgot the other ones. What was uh, Mark? What did you say? I said fourteen ninety nine. I think Tim went with twelve ninety nine. Yep. Yeah. Okay, and then so that's Tim. It is six seventy seven and nineteen eighty one dollars. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh man. That's, okay. That's Next one. Fourteen ninety nine in today's dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one I thought was pretty crazy. The crazy clone factory. Now your child can clone his own fingers with a molding <laughs> toy. Mix green material with water. Place finger in mold for a few minutes. Then mix second batch using flesh tone mix and pour into original green mold. In a few minutes, remove cloned finger with a soft, weird skin feel. Ugh. Also, make copies of toes and other objects. Uh oh. Yeah. Clean mixes, cloning pot, <laughs> mixing cauldron, uh, measuring wand, and finger iron. Uh, uh, I wonder what people really made these out of. Made it out of it. <laughs> oh, so all yours for the crazy clone laboratory from Kenner. Mark. Nineteen ninety nine. Tim. Four ninety nine. Oh. Toby. Three ninety nine. Oh, to- you could get this for seven seventy nine for your own. <laughs> you could clone stuff like your hands and a finger. I'm sure. I'm sure people have cloned right. a lot of fingers. So the, the mold making kit was a dollar more than the crib play set thing. <laughs> Chemicals are very cheap, I guess. Um, and the last one, the Sport and Shave Ken. Water-soluble ink pen gives Ken a beard. Shave it with a wetted foam-edged razor. Splash on the uh, on the aftershave and run a comb through his hair. Doll has rooted hair, poseable wrists, straight legs, and a hand that grips. 
uh, includes tennis outfit, jogging gear, and grooming gear. Um, all right, so this is obviously coming from um, Mattel. Sport and shave Ken. Mark, you could have your own Ken doll and with his jogging gear and tennis outfit and the hand that grips Barbies and then won't <laughs> let go as he's jogging around. <laughs> and watch the Barbie greenhouse while she sleeps. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. Tim. Nine ninety nine. Toby. Six ninety nine. <laughs> this is going to be Toby. It's seven ninety four. Seven ninety four. <laughs> For Ken, who could be like, that wasn't me in your in your room that night. He had a beard, but now I do not have a beard because <laughs> I can shave. Let me see. So that means Toby gets a point. So Tim has three. I think we have a tie. I think everyone has three points. Sure. No, Mark has four points. Yeah, so Mark wins. Ding, ding, ding. Mark, for that, you get a Perseus doll from yourself that you could just <laughs> mail it to yourself. So you, you, you lucked out there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys. Let's get into the... To our last part, the ranking system. So for this, uh, we are ranking uh, and objectifying our heroes and our villains during this time. Um, the first one is going to be our hero, uh, Perseus himself, L.A. Laws, Harry Hamlin. And Mark, we are ranking on three distinct categories for him. The overall beefiness, charisma, and hair. And for the bil- villain, um, I figure that we're going to do Calabas. And we are going to be ranking his competency, his organizational skills, and his clothes slash accessories during this time. Um, previously, um, I was using the Kevin Sorbos uh, uh, scale, which I've, I figured out that there's a lot of rather uh, distasteful things he's been posting lately. So I'm going to have to find another one. I think I might call it the... Dolph Lundgren scale for reasons we'll find out next week in Master <laughs> Universe. So how many Lundgrens uh, for each of them? It's on a scale of one to five. So let's let's start off with you, Mark, as our esteemed special guest for this. Let's talk about young Perseus. First up, his overall beefiness. Overall beefiness? Uh, we'll, we'll, give, we'll give him a three. We'll give him a three. Yeah. He, was, he was definitely in shape. You know, he wasn't at Schwarzenegger levels, but, uh, you know, they they said that they liked him because they they're like well a lot of the Greeks were just more athletic they weren't just like big hunks of granite like you know Arnold or and stuff like that like Mark or like what Tim was saying earlier uh, how about charisma I maybe give him a two on the charisma um yeah kind of kind and of then, dry kind of dead yeah. He kind of was just like hanging out in people's bedrooms a yeah. whole lot. Uh, <laughs> I saw you <laughs> didn't say a lot. And hair, hair, hair. We I think we're going to give him a six on the hair, even though it only goes from one to five because <laughs> the guy had it on lockdown with the hair. I mean, it was just incredibly impressive. We'll give him five Lundgrens for uh, <laughs> five Lundgrens for hair then. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that kind of hair that wins elections. That was like some serious yeah. hair. Yeah. 
That was some great hair. <laughs> Definitely. Um, how about you, Toby? What do you think? I have uh, three on the beefiness scale, one on the charisma, and five on the hair. And Tim? Uh, I was going to do three on beefiness. Yeah, more like two, I guess, on charisma. Uh, and yeah, I think five on the hair. Uh, Colette pointed out when we were watching it that he, he I know, Mark, you said that you looked like the, like Harry Hamlin, but uh, she was saying that he looked like a young Michael Ian Black in a wig. And I was like, <laughs> I could not see it after that. And I was like, oh, oh man. <laughs> oh, man. And I think I'm also going to give him a three in beefiness, two for charisma, five in hair, which gives him a total aggregate score of 3.25, which puts him in the lead. He he uh, beat Alex Rogan from Last Starfighter on <laughs> who had the three points last episode, and Dar from the Beastmaster had two point six seven. So right now in the lead is Perseus and his pillowy lips. He is now <laughs> first. Let's get into. Go ahead, Tim. Would you would you say that Dar was more creepy than than Perseus? I think I think it's like. Yes, because Dar was actually like using his animals to entrap and attack women, yeah. including his cousin <laughs> Kiri. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think that's the thing. And Perseus was just sort of like hanging out and like, you know, I don't know, like he wasn't like a. I don't know if I'd really like to hang around him a whole lot because he's just sort of like, yeah, I'm Perseus. Look at me, <laughs> you know. But um, I probably hang out more with Alex Rogan, the yeah. last Starfighter. You know, if I had to hang with anybody. Yeah. Perseus' worst crime is breaking and entering, but uh, <laughs> Dar had some much worse felonies yeah. on his record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he was peeking and then he took it to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get into Calabas. What we are ranking here are three categories competency, his overall competency, his organizational skills. Um, his his organization, you know, he had all these people in the, he had the vulture, he had those other like minions that were hanging out in the in the swamps, mm-hmm. and his and his clothing slash accessories. Um, and I would just and I would accept anything that makes him look uniquely a villain. So either in his tail and all that kind of stuff. So what do you think? First one, competency, Mark. How competent was Calabas? He seemed pretty confident. I mean, I would say, like, for being turned into a hideous monster and having to adjust to living in the marsh and such, he kind of, you know, he assembled a crew. He got all that together, um, you know, had weapons made. So I'd probably give him, like, a – probably give him a four because that couldn't have been an easy transition to make. Um, And then number two is organization. Organizational skills, maybe about the same, maybe a a three – he seemed like he, he had a good idea of what he wanted to get accomplished. Uh, he just kind of, uh, he was just bested by the son of a God, but uh, yeah. And not bad. Yeah. 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 Um, and clothing wise, the only thing I really remember about the clothes, well, they, they, they made an allotment. They had to sort of especially uh, tailor a, a tunic with a hole for the tail. Um, Do you have a figure there that you can like look at for reference? I don't. I don't know where that one. Oh no, I have the. Yeah, no, I have the. Um, I don't have the original one. I have the, the reissue. <laughs> and they give him this this nice sort of blue color. I'd give him about a three on the clothes plus the the sassy whip and and. Uh, oh yeah, he whipped people. He, he got, got he got Pegasus and cut off, and he immediately got the uh, the little fork made to replace it. So. <laughs> 
and yeah, and listeners, if you're still with us, uh, email us at 18hipsternetwork at gmail.com and we will send you that Calabas figure <laughs> you, you, from Mark's house. You can't, you can't do that, Bob. You can't just give away all my stuff on the. <laughs> Oh, we'll see if anybody's really going to. If someone emails, I mean, we'll have a have to have a talk later. Um, but but that's pretty. Yeah, I think that I forgot about that little that little fork thing that he went in. That was I thought that was pretty good. Um, okay, Toby. Yeah, so I gave him a five on the costume. I think it uh, particularly the the uh, claymation version uh, with the horns and the tail, and he's a scary dude in claymation form, uh, and just kind of weird and scary as a human form, <laughs> the human actor form. Uh, now I would take, I would go to the mat with you, Mark on the competency and organization. Um, this is the mark of a, uh, you know, so we put together this ragtag bunch of homeless men. <laughs> and, and then not only could he not get them to go and do his bidding, he had to go and like stab Medusa's head and like, uh, you know, whip whip the horses himself. Like where his crew was nowhere to be found. But I thought it was kind of impressive. Like he knew he had obviously done his research on the Medusa head to know that the blood would. So I remember, you know, when I was, when I was watching it again, like he stabbed me. I was like, wow, he kind of he know he knows the uh, the properties of the blood. So he obviously did a little work there to, you know, because just if he went in there just without having done the research, who would, why, how, how would he know to just stab the head randomly and it would produce scorpions? You know, so. Well, if if, if <laughs> reading all the Star Wars novels makes me confident in or and you know, being able to recite Lord of the Rings lore makes me highly uh, organizational, then uh, then I I would yeah then I would agree, but um, unfortunately, it doesn't. So. Yeah. And Tim. Oh yeah. So what do you so you have one for competency, one for organization? Yep, and then five, five for clothes. Yeah. Oh, that's kinda of, kinda of harsh, but that's okay. We'll go with it. That's your that's your opinion. All right, Tim. Uh I think I'm gonna go five on the clothing and uh overall attire. I love the design of him and I forgot about the fork and the whip and all that stuff. So he's got some he's got some some cool weapons. Uh so I'll give him a five on that. Uh for competency, I would say I, I would go like a three. He's he's doing okay. He's doing he's doing okay for himself. And he like he's assembled the crew. And then I, for his organization, yeah, he's got that like the homeless crew. I mean, he can control a vulture to steal spirits or people's souls at night. I mean, he's got you know like I guess the whole townspeople are burning people like when they get the, the riddles wrong and stuff. So he's doing oh, yeah. a pretty good job. So I say he probably got a four in the. Not bad. It's pretty high scores. Yeah. Um, in fact, from Tim, that might be the highest score from any character so far. <laughs> hero or villain you gave him a uh, aggregate score of four um i also gave him some pretty high marks uh three for competency he was actually somebody that could get something done our previous um villains of zur and may mayax were not very good at what they were doing uh, <laughs> organization had something to be desired but he did have um he did have uh, the vulture, which is good, and he did, yeah, and, and all those riddles and all that kind of stuff is pretty good. He had a pretty good thing going, and I gave him a floor four in clothing. So all together, um, he gets an aggregate score of three point two five, giving him the highest score amongst villains and tying Perseus. So, so pretty top marks for a Clash of the Titans. I think overall, we really enjoyed watching this movie and all the characters in there, from Bibu to Perseus to Calabas. Um, yeah, it was just really fun to kind of go back and 
rewatch it and see that there's a lot of a lot of great parts that really age well. It like the stop motion. It's like it. I think a lot of times that you could just really be like impressed with just like you said all the time and care that it took to make that happen. I saw you asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for listening to the Aging Hipster Movie Show. This show was written by Bob Surround, Tim Cron- uh, Toby Crines, and Tim Holly. Produced and edited by, edited by Bob Surround. The theme song was written by Kid Mental. Please check us out online, join our Facebook group, or go to aginghipsternetwork.com. Once again, thank you and have a great night. So-